have I got a story for you. Zach Rawlings was born around 1846 in Grenda, Mississippi. He came to Louisville in 1860 as a slave with owner Daniel Rawlings and his family. Once the Civil War ended, Zach Rawlings gained freedom and bought an 80-acre farm in present-day Hickory Creek with George Clark, another former slave. The men established a school for their children on the property. When he was elected as the courthouse janitor in 1886, he moved to Quakertown in Denton and kept his post until nearly 1911, when he retired for health reasons. He died in June 1911 at his home. And today's guest is attempting to have Zachary honored by Denton County since his other crusade to have a Confederate monument taken down that lasted 21 years, that's over a thousand Sundays, is finally over. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Andre Psyche. Yes, AndrePsyche.com is gone, but Andre Psyche on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter is alive and thriving. You see, dear listeners, Andre has adopted a minimalistic lifestyle for materialistic things like mattresses, pillows, cars, websites, his hair. However, his creative libido is fully stimulated and viewable on most social media platforms. Andre is a freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, sculptures, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up. It's Andre Psyche. The next time you're looking to friend or follow someone outside of your social circle. We're also brought to you by Dewey Crush, the taste of summer. Summer's most sought out and coveted East Coast drink, the Crush, is now available in ready-to-drink canned cocktail. Available in three thirst-quenching flavors, the original orange, the refreshing grapefruit, and an iconic watermelon. Dewey Crush contains smooth premium vodka, sweet citrus triple sec, fresh fruit juice, and a splash of lemon-lime soda, making it the perfect partner to any summer event. So whether you're going to a barbecue, headed to the beach, or just hanging with friends, crush it with the new Dewey Crush. Now available in Dewey Beach and all over Delaware. For more information, visit DeweyCrush.com. We here at the Getting to Know You Pod need your help. Our sound recording equipment and editing software is in need of desperate upgrading. Actually, it's in need of purchase since we don't have any. Support the Getting to Know You Pod by going to our Patreon and subscribing for as little as $2 a month because your support is the only way to better the quality of this podcast. And it's also much appreciated. Two bucks a little too much. Well, here are three, three ways to help. You can push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Friend and follow the pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go to Apple. Write a review. Those are going to cost you nothing but your time. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. If you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, please consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. The podcast is downloaded coast to coast across the country and in other countries like Canada, the UK, Australia, France. Almost at 40, there's a really tight race between Japan and France. Who's going to hit 50 downloads and listens first? So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all 
I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely. And doggone it. My cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Mr. Hudspeth. Mr. Hudspeth is coming to us from Denton, Texas, and sir, I believe you are one of the most stubborn men in the world. Would that be correct? That would be correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you You so much for coming on. Let everybody get to know you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, uh, that caused me to say, I'll show you. I found out that the judge said to someone who knows me and likes me and likes her too, but then it got back to me. She said, he's only one man. He's a black man. He doesn't have a voice. All we have to do is wait him out. That did it for me. That did it. Game on. (laughs) I love it. I love it. That resolve. Where does that resolve come from for you? I think it was, it came from my football years. We were a segregated school, but we were very small. And if you know anything about football, it's the biggest, the fastest, the meanest individuals who prevail, who gets the most points. Well, we were small, and we were—we um, didn't have very many coaches, and they were young and they were new, and they just had this ability to just inspire us to say, "We can do it. We can do it." Even though we were small, mm-hmm. and uh, then, then he, one thing that I became a coach after that, and and uh, one of the things that I learned from that uh, is. You coach to your players. You don't coach Mm. to your strategy. And so I took that same thought process and and drive with my football playing experience and then my football coaching experience and then applied it to someone saying to me, you can't, you have no power. Mm-hmm. And you you have no you, you you don't have a way to make things happen. You you don't have position and things like that. And that's what that's what did it for me. I said, okay, I, it, I'm going to show you. And I had no idea what the heck I was going to do. But I knew <laughs> you weren't going to just shut me down by just saying you have no power and you can't do it. And so that's what did it. Uh, they when they when that judge said first place, I thought I was naive. I thought that if you elected an office, if you elected to an office, you had some integrity mm-hmm. and you were you were honest, and and you, you wouldn't just come right out and lie to someone. Well. She lied to me 
just it didn't it wasn't any need for the lies. She just lied because first place she didn't think I knew how to get the correct information, and then I didn't know where to go with it, and then I couldn't do anything with it when I got it. So she just lied, and, and so. Mr. Hudspeth, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just realized I did a terrible job hosting. I didn't give any sort of background for listeners. Okay. <laughs> and, but, I'm sorry. Let me just. Sean. I, I, I got one job. I got one well, job. Put, I got to yeah, do it right. And I'm going to put you in a category there, brother. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, not good. So, for the people listening who have not read, and it was amazing that you were trending, <clears throat> trending on Twitter the other day. Mr. Hudspeth had basically a 21-year protest every Sunday with the hope of getting a Confederate monument removed from his, is it county courthouse or town square? How did you refer to it? County courthouse. From the county courthouse. Um, and it was taken down, was it about a year ago at this point? Yes. Okay. So when Mr. Hudspeth's referring to the judge, um, that's kind of, that's the situation we're talking about. I'm sorry to cut you off, sir. I should have done a better job. Yeah. Okay. What um when you had said that she had lied to me, what were the what were the things that were lies? Hold on there, Sean. Let me close this door. Okay. All right, hold on. Well, a lady, a young lady moved here from the north. And um she she like you and some others really thought a lot about what I was doing and wanted to help. And you couldn't tell by looking at her that she was anyone to deal with, that she was smarter, or that she was, you just, that that she was a historian like you've never met before. And so she... She started digging into things in it about what what was told to me. And she created a Bible, two of them. She called it the Bible. It was the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Sean, man, if you ever need any research done historically, <laughs> you need to get a hold of uh, Jessica. Jessica. Do you think she would mind if you said her last name? No, she she will not, and she'll talk to you. Awesome. It's Jessica. Let me see. Jessica. Oh, what's her middle name? She uses her 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 her, her name, maiden name. Jessica. Holy, let me get the Bible. Ah, get <laughs> I'm making you move way too much. Oh, no, 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 no. So, I am so glad to talk to you. And Mr. Hudspeth, I'm just going to fill a little time as you're looking. I was reading in the Business Insider article, and it seemed like 1995, there were some thoughts, or maybe it might have been 1999, there were some thoughts about <clears throat> turning on some fountains, and were there pipes in this monument? And from in a real basic way, the county claim that there were no pipes, the black community took that as you are ignoring the fact that there were pipes because there was a segregated black and white water fountain. Right. Okay. That's part part of the lie that was being told. 
and uh, Jessica something Roman. Jessica something Roman. And uh, for 15 years, that, that judge said that there were no pipes. 15 years. It's amazing. It's hard for me to understand. I want to get a better understanding of it. Were the pipes just so symbolic of them trying to deny the past? Is that why it um, it mattered so much to you? Or I guess I should I shouldn't put words in your mouth. But explain. Help me understand why the pipes mattered so much. To me. Yes. Um. Well, at first it was just. Heck, I would start doubting myself. I, I mean, I kept thinking, well, were they were they there or not? Well, the more I got into it and the more information came out, and here's why the pipes were important. Right there toward the end when we started getting it figured out, it was proof that they've been lying to me for 15 years. Proof. And it was like, in your face, you lied and said that they weren't there. And you, and one of the things they did that really bugged me was I got two elderly people who were little kids when that those pipes were there. And they said they were on. They came and testified at the commissioner's court saying that they were on and they were working. But then they said, we couldn't drink from them. Hmm. And when this elderly lady stood in that courtroom and it was hard for them to stand in front of that authority figure, the judge, because it brought back memories of what how they were treated when they were young kids. And they said, she told me before we went to the meeting, she said, no, they told us we couldn't drink from those fountains. And she talked, she went back to that. Oh, Sean, God, you just gotta, you gotta, you have to have been there to go through that slavery mentality, that, that, that servitude, that, 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 that humbling and fear of disagreeing with the authorities. Bless her heart. She was, it was so hard for her to do it. And I appreciated her doing it. And she went in and said, they said, she said they would, they would, they would hurt us if we tried to, to drink from them. And the, here's what, here's what um, slavery is all about. Uh, it, if, if you have no way of getting help, that's the definition of lynching, lynching. If, if you were to go to the authority, you have no authority you can go to to get help for, for something that has happened to you that's not right. You've been wronged. That's lynching. And bless her heart, she was lynched that day and uh so she said when the judge said to her here's the lynching she's just old 
Oh, man. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Godly, I was just so mad. And we left there, and we just left. There was, the public wouldn't help us. The authorities <clears throat> most certainly wouldn't help us. And, and I was just sitting there thinking, gee whiz, I have no help. And so that's when I said, I don't care. I'm going to keep fighting. And I was by myself, Sean, by myself. The black community, for the most part, said, we just want to not deal with that thing. We don't. We just want to not deal with it. We don't want to deal with it. And this was that slave mentality. We just don't see anybody that's going to help us. And we're just out here. So we're not going to do it. That's, uh, it's terrible to hear, especially being dismissed for being old. I'm curious, how did, if it's like a county matter for do we turn pipes on, do we not turn pipes on to have a fountain going, how did it get to a court? What? Court? What do to you get, mean? To get in front of a judge. Or when you're saying judge, is that someone on like the county commission? Yes. They're not. They're just in charge of the the uh, management of the meeting. God. Okay. We're not not official judge. Gotcha. Okay. Like that in a court sense. of law. That's, they just oversee the agenda. That's all. How how much time did you have to spend figuring out? Like, I wouldn't know what to do if I showed up at my county meeting. I wouldn't know how to get something on the agenda. I wouldn't know when to speak. I wouldn't know if there's a time frame, right? Or how to like even um, rebut, how to, how to <coughs> excuse me, how to appeal. So I'm curious how much research you had to do just for the proceedings to learn how to navigate that um, council? Well, what I did was just attend the meetings. Now, I was on the school board, so I learned how to to sit in a meeting and and, and how you handle the agenda and uh, what what the steps were to get something on it, how you handle yourself during the meeting. Who, you have to be respectful of the presiding officer. You can do this and that. So I learned from that part of it. Then I got, I went up to start dealing with the the county commissioner's court, and I, then I learned the one of the things that I found out. And here's another one of those deals: you cannot get anything on the agenda, put on the agenda, unless one of the commissioners deemed it something that that could be done or the judge you could not you could not and they used that they were this was a republican uh commission commission and they all stuck together how many people are we talking about five five so you that's amazing i didn't realize that you would think if it's a taxpayer thing right it's taxpayer funded you would think the taxpayers would be able to put something on the agenda. Now, if it gets on the agenda and they maybe dismiss it quickly, I can maybe understand that as like a balance of power thing. But to not to have to have it be approved just to get on the agenda, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem fair to me. Well, here's here's what the why that's so important. Uh, up until that point, there's no record of what you're doing. 
Uh It it has to be on the agenda. So I would just go up there every week and argue and say stuff. (laughs) They just said, "Uh, Mr. Hutchinson is here and made a point. That's all. That's all they said. So when Jessica Romo something, Jessica, oh, I got to find her name. (laughs) She did this research, came up with these Bibles. She called it the New Testament. Then they see, oh, the Old Testament. And what she done, bless her heart, and I'm going to get you her name. I'll find it here in a little bit. Uh, She found in the county's records, their records, what the, all this stuff I was asking for, she found in their records that they had the answer that I that I wanted. They had it. It was documented. I'd never had documentation before. She found it in their records. She found the rule and the law of when you if the if if you didn't do what you said you were gonna do, what the penalty was. And she found the dates when it was accurate. And the rule for every one of them, it was 15 of them in the Old Testament. 15 things I was asking for. Uh, I was, yeah, I'm curious. What are some of those things that you're asking for that there are rules for the um, county commission to abide by? Okay. Let me get, let me just get it. Let me get the Bible for you. Because, yeah, it's, uh, I haven't been a part of anything like this, so I'm trying to wrap my head around the logistics. And I'm thinking it should be as simple as if there are pipes run, there's got to be a blueprint somewhere. There's got to be maybe a purchase order, I would think. Somebody had to install them. And, like, I would think that would all be a part of county record because it's infrastructure. That's true. Jessica found it. Okay. She found it up until her... Uh, it wasn't done. It wasn't. It wasn't done. So let's see. You said it should be a record. Now, here's here's what Jim Crow law hap, de, does in in any community. If if you don't have somebody that's going to speak for you, that has some kind of authority, and 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 speak up then you can't do anything. They have five people on the commissioner's court and it's like nobody said anything. It's like no words were given. So the judge would say they're not not on and they never have been on. Nobody challenged it. Nobody. Until we finally got it on the agenda. Then the city of Dallas sent out an engineer and he looked under the ground. I forgot what he called it, but you can actually see what's under there. Almost like a sonar or like a radar kind of yeah, a thing. Or like right. an x-ray maybe. I don't yeah. know. Okay. And I mean, he saw them. He, he <laughs> says, here they are. He had no dog in the hunt. He was from Dallas. Yeah. And so 
He said, here they are. You know what that judge did? Because now this is what they do. Since nobody on the commissioner's court would challenge it, she just said, huh, well, I guess there were. <laughs> See, nothing was done. Nothing. Now, one thing, now 15 years of lying. Now, you ask, well, what are some of the things? Here, here's the, one of the, some of the stuff. Exhibit 11B, and I'm just going to start there. July 1, 2002, Confederate Monument Committee meeting. In attendance, and she went out, I don't want to go into that, but it's all there. Mm -hmm. There is no record of the formal agenda for this meeting. Now, what the meeting was about was I said, the commissioner's court then said that they could, that we could put this plaque up. And she said, we never had the meeting. It didn't happen. Oh. She said that. Jessica found it and it said, there is no record of a formal agenda for this meeting. Informal meeting, minutes, were provided in an open records request for the county. This closed meeting is called for by a commissioner, although there is no commissioner present. And it's just on and on. I know this is it's kind of documented stuff, but let me just find well, something. I think, Mr. Hudspeth, I think that's important because it's part of that system that people need to know how to navigate. And if you right. can have a meeting and you spend your time and you think you're going about it the right way, and then yes. lo and behold, oh, there's no agenda on record. So now it wasn't an official meeting. And now all that work and compromise and understanding that I work towards or we work towards yeah. is just uh -huh. gone and I'm powerless. So yeah. no. that that's something that people should be aware of if they get put on committees to make sure that those formal agendas are in the official records. And, and they were. That's what Jessica found oh. in their records. She said, the judge said there was no official uh, records, oh. but there were. Here's another one. Good grief. How do you get in, away with that? In November 2002, Commissioner's Court approved, let's see, approved wording for a plaque. This is one I was talking about. 2002, this is before Judge Horn came on. That was official wording for a plaque to be placed next to the Denton County Confederate Monument. I had argued that the plaque that they are wanting to put up there didn't say anything. And then so the, the committee, the commissioner's court that was in office at that time said, well, then what do you want it to say? <laughs> so I told them, I said, say this. And uh, do you remember what that was or the essence of it? Yes. Let's see. Let me get it. Plaque was removed. Yeah. Let me find it right quick. And I'm guessing it just wasn't specific enough to the segregation that the pipes and the fountains had dealt with. And is that what you were trying to point out? 
Yes. And, uh, oh, I need to find the wording because you will see why they didn't want that thing up. And she never did get it voted down. She just ignored it. She didn't do, they never had a meeting on it, but the plaque was taken down. It was, it was approved and made and she never took it down. The old plaque she never took down. The the plaque, no, the one that I they got approved. Oh, yeah. It was never. It was taken down. It was nothing was done legally, but it was taken down. Here, here's what what the plaque said. Commission scored plaque one. No, no, there are three plaques. Well, let me see. November fifth, Commission scored plaque two. All right, let me see. Uh, let's see, January 23rd, uh, S. Easement, no, no, no. <laughs> I hate those easements, too. That easement word messes with me. we got a bunch of easements going on around here, and uh, <laughs> okay. that does not sit here's well with me. Here's part of why what, what I'm talking about. July the 2nd, 2002, Commissioner's Court, Plaque 1, Item 16, Agenda. Approval of the fund limit for the THS concerning the ghost grant. Let me see. November the 5th, 2002, Commissioner's Court, Plaque 2. Approval of proposed wording of the plaque will be located near the Commissioner's the Confederate Monument and any appropriate action. The wording is a result of commissioners using the submission from Willie Hutzman. This is before Judge Horn came. This is what I said. Verbiage approved at one time. Here's what I told him to do. At one time, only one race could drink from these fountains. Now, let this be a testimony, no, a testament that God created all men equal with certain ineligible, 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 I can't say the word, <laughs> rights. We are all one citizen of Denton County. Motion passed. These are the rules. This is what you do to get it done. The motion was passed unanimously. Judge Horn was not on the commission score. No notice or request for a permit is made to the THC, Texas Historic Commission. Now, Jessica said, suspected violation, Texas Administ administrative Code, Title 13, and she goes through all this, what it basically says is you there are rules for you to change this. Mm -hmm. Judge Horn ignored all of it. She didn't do a thing. She didn't bring it up. She just didn't do anything. That was a violation. And, and that's what I'm doing. Did the plaque ever actually get put up? Or when the monument no. was taken down, there was no point well, for the plaque to go up? She did 
Yes, the commissioner's court. No, they didn't put. Yes, they did. They put it up. When she came in, she took it down. <laughs> just she just took it down. There was no ruling. There was no agenda. There was nothing. She took it down. Now, Denton County, what's going on during this time is those commissioners, since they stuck together as one body, just did whatever they wanted. And the citizens didn't say anything. So they got away with it. And I'm not sure if you would know this, Mr. Hudspeth, but do you know how many votes they need to get on the commission? About yes. approximately. Yes. We were working at it. We were trying was, our best to get them. Was yeah, wondering. it was uh, it was one one thousand twelve hundred. Oh wow! And you had to get away. You had to go. That's the republic Republican vote. The Democrats didn't didn't come close. But that's what they needed to unseat somebody. So you had to find. And do you know about the population of voters? For Denton? It was 90,000. During that time, it was 90,000. Oh, wow. Isn't it kind of sad how few people go out and vote? <laughs> yes. Like, you're, you're talking you're talking a little over 10%, maybe 15, 20% of the people taking yeah, a part in, yeah. in in electing those who get to make decisions about how their tax dollars are spent. That always strikes me as odd. Yeah. yeah. No, they just, they don't even know what the county commissioners do. Yeah. People don't. They don't know. So, yeah, that's what happened. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit. How did you initial? what was the initial way that you finally got the let's check for the pipes on the agenda? Uh, there was a, a problem in, uh, uh, in one town here. Ah, God, I can't think of the name of it. Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Oh, I'm trying to think of the state. Charlottesville, no, in Kentucky. Charlottesville, something. I don't remember, but it, but it was an uproar where this woman was uh, killed, white woman, and for walking with the demonstration. Demonstration. People would demonstrate. Oh, wasn't that in South Carolina? Um, there was yes, a, um, yes. I can't remember, but the car ran through. Yes, yes, that was it. Okay. Well, that got everybody's attention. And uh, so they came out with me at the, at the, the uh, statue. And it, it, was, it was packed. That downtown area was packed. And, and what year is this? Because you, and I, I'm sorry, I should ask this. You had started your protest on a Sunday in 1999? Yes. And what year are we in now when everybody, after the Charlottesville death? I don't, I don't, don't remember. remember. But I can find it. I've got it somewhere, but I don't remember. Gotcha. And, and part of that, there was a, a guy who came down there during that time. <laughs> And he had an AKA-47, and he had it on his, you could legally carry, and so he had it on his shoulder, and he was right in front of me, wheeling it back and forth. 
This is right after the Charlottesville thing. So, and I just Googled this, sir. 2017, neo, according to NPR.org, neo-Nazi rams his car into Charlottesville protesters in 2017, killing Heather Heyer and injuring many others. So you have a neo-Nazi running into protesters, and now you have an individual with an AK-47 waving it at you. Wow. Right. And then all they did, somebody called the police. And he had a legal right to carry. They didn't think he should be down there carrying that thing in front of me. But they said two things. Hudspeth, gun. In four minutes. <laughs> four minutes. Four city police. And six or seven uh, sheriffs in four minutes was on that square. I mean, I've never seen anything. <laughs> Boy, they surrounded him. They got up there in his face real quick and said, yeah, you have a legal right to, to, to carry, but we suggest you not carry that down here right now. Because this was the Charlottesville that happened, and people were really on edge. And so uh, that's, that's what started it. And then we had already been saying, put it on the agenda. Put it on the agenda. Because we knew if we could get it on the agenda, they had to vote. So then it was a record. And so they had no choice. Remember, it only takes 1,200 people to get them unseated. And they could count. And it was about 3,000 of them down there oh, wow. at that at that city meeting. And so they put it on the agenda. And, uh, boy, we were in that meeting uh, three three hours. They, they they had to let everybody speak. And uh, so they finally voted because of the pressure to get this independent person to come down and, and, and look for the pipes. And when he did, he found them. Take me back, an AK-waving man, and in the article... I, he was yelling, or in the article it says he was yelling counter-protest. And I love when that, that happened. Like, that's just so stupid. You don't counter-protest with an AK-47. Because I'm sure you're holding, what, a sign? So yes. that, that that makes sense, right? That's balanced counter-protest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but that had to be a real, or I, I shouldn't speak for you. For me, that would be a very scary four minutes. And I'm no. curious what was going through your mind. Were you like sizing them up, thinking how you could disarm them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, uh, it just, I don't, it didn't bother me because I, I grew up in the hood, and then, and then all that means is people were being killed all the time. My dad had a restaurant, one restaurant, jute joint, and uh, I saw people getting killed in the joint all the time, and uh, so it, it just didn't bug me. Now, here's what I know from watching fights and stuff. You got a rifle. That's not the right weapon you need to have when you're confronting someone. Mm. So I knew to get stay close to him. Mm. He couldn't He couldn't raise it up. And so he, unlike on the movies where they take somebody out and then pick them up, they knock them down and they pick them up and then they hit them again. That's in the movies. You don't do that in real life. I wanted to get close to him and I was going to hit him in a place where he had to go down 
there was no way he could stand up. And so I got I just kind of got close to him, got close to him. I planned to hit him in the balls so I could get him down. And then I was going to put them feet on his head. And he wouldn't have moved anymore. But like I said, four minutes, they were there. And I, I didn't have to do anything. The sheriff and the city police took care of it. And I just never thought about it like the real danger I was in. Because uh, I grew up with it all the time. I mean, I, that's all I knew. So I wasn't afraid of that. I didn't think about that. I was thinking about taking him out. I'm so unfamiliar with Jupe Joint. What is a Jupe Joint? It's a place where the blacks go that was just a hole in the wall and they could get liquor. And it was illegal. It was, uh, oh. it was, uh, they, moonshine. They made it in the backwoods and it was illegal. And you just go there to, it's just a place for us to go and, and, and congregate. And so they, they went there to meet women and they were all married people. They just did it anyway. <laughs> and they were fighting each other and they were gambling right there in the place. And it was just a place to go where we could just be with our own people. And we call it a jupe joint. Gotcha. God, yeah. I would imagine if you're, if you've, then that's probably why I thought the way I thought, because I haven't grown up with that kind of a intense hatred towards me, right? Like I, I haven't looked at eyes that have hatred towards me. At least I don't think I have, no. you know, and, and I think that's why I would just be I don't, taken aback so much. What, what, was he saying anything for those four minutes or was, did he have like a chant yeah. or anything like that? It's like those people like that, they, they just drive me batty because I'm thinking, well, maybe he's got a point. I need to find out. <laughs> What's his point? I don't know. I don't understand. What is he so upset about? He doesn't know me. And so I was trying to talk to him. Well, what I'm finding after all those years of being down there, they do one or two things, the people. They really want to know why you're doing what you're doing, and they want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Or... They really don't want to talk to you. They just want to talk at you. And they just try to shut you up by talking over you and talking a lot and saying stuff that doesn't make any sense. And then they they keep, they'll say, they'll say one thing. And I think they want, a, they want an answer, but they don't. They just want to keep saying stuff, saying stuff, saying stuff. And that's what he would do. So you're here to this. Well, why do you want to be down here? Well, why don't you do this? And what about the people in Africa? And why don't you do this? Why don't you go there? And then he just over and over and I, and I thought, well, he doesn't want to know anything. He just wants to talk. And that's what they do. Yeah, that starting in 99, and if we're talking 2017, were there other, I mean, that's a long 17, 18 years. Were there others who had come down to try to intimidate you? Yeah, but not to that degree. No one to that degree. Because I didn't run away from the fight or the discussion. I never ran away. I just engaged them. And most people will just talk to, to, talk to me and try to convince me to change my mind. And 
or at least they would be civil enough to let me give a point. And then if they weren't and they were that other group just want to talk me down, they walk away. And then they would do this walk away backwards hand, get out of my face thing. <laughs> Love that. They would always just walk away and they wave at me. Yeah. And, and like, they, they, I'm sorry. It's you, like they're dismissing you. And you're like, I'm not yes. going anywhere. Like, what? If, you're yeah. the one walking away. That's that's what they would do. That's what yeah. children All do. those years, that's what they did. But in the meantime, Sean, they would, here's what they would do, people. They would say, they always brought up stuff that's going on in the world. And they said, why don't you deal with that? What about this? And they, I don't know. I never got that. I don't know why they brought, but they did. But every time they bring up stuff, I think, oh, I didn't know about that. Well, let me deal with that. And so over the 17 years, stuff would come up and I didn't know about. Like there's a slave cemetery north of here where they they would bury the former slaves. And in, then they, they would just leave them there and it's wherever they put them. And I got angry because the county has money to take care of those places, and they wouldn't do it. So I started raising fuss about that. And then it forced them to have to do something about that. And on and on and on, just stuff happened. There was a, a former slave here who was freed, and he, did, he wasn't angry like me. He just worked, took care of his family, and they never honored him. Zach Rollins never honored what he had done, but everybody liked it. And then some other things that happened. So during the 17 years, I wasn't just dealing with one thing. It's just different stuff came up. Educate me a little more about Zach Rollins. Let's try to honor him in our way right now. Cause I, I mean, I, I've not heard of him. I don't know why that would be special. Do you, or do you know much about him? Yeah, I did because I did the research to find out about it. You got to understand that people, blacks, were angry at the way they've been treated. They were treated, and uh, the this guy, he did it right. Bless his heart. I don't know how he could do it, <laughs> but he wasn't angry at no one. He didn't take it out on anyone. He was a janitor. He went to work every day at the courthouse. Oh wow! And. He went to work every day, he raised his kids. None of them, I found out, had been into trouble with law. Several of them had gone to college. In, in the, when he died, they so honored the man that they shut down the county commissioner's court. They closed it. First, before they bury someone here, the abbeys, you honored them the day before the funeral. And you say stuff. The, every commissioner shut down what they were doing and they went to the wake, they called it. Mm -hmm. And then they had the funeral the next day, shut down county commissioner's court. Every commissioner went to the funeral and they honored Zach Rollins. And uh, they, they, uh, he just, he, I thought, that man should be honored. He wasn't angry. He didn't take out what happened to him on anybody. He worked all the time. 
I wish some of my brothers, my black brothers, would do as much. But then jokers, they want to burn up everything. And then they burn up our neighborhood and nobody else. They burn up our neighborhood. That's what they do. Because if they were in a white neighborhood, they kill them. They just shoot them. Because they weren't supposed to be there. And, they, and then they had no recourse, so they just shoot them. So they didn't go there. They burn up our neighborhood. But then, so then I start talking about that. I said, you never honored him. They were embarrassed. They didn't even know who Zach what Rollins were. And they were embarrassed. And so... Do you know it's a, it's it's it's, it's a, a wonder you would bring that up after me bringing about uh, about Zach Rollins and they didn't do anything about it. Do you know they're going to honor him? They made a plaque for him, which I told them they should do long time ago. They finally made the plaque. They're going to unveil it this Tuesday. Oh no way! I was taken aback. I was just taken aback. So they're going to honor him. Uh, but that was just one of many things that I worked on. And I just want to make sure I heard it right. So was Zach Rollins an actual slave who was then freed and stayed in the area and worked for the courts? Yes. So we're talking, I mean, what? I, I can't even wrap my head around that time frame. So like it 1900s, was- early, early 1900s, he's working and passed away. Uh, let me think, let me think. It was, oh, I cannot remember. Uh, But it was right after the slaves were freed. He came in from the southern eastern portions of the county, went around Dallas, and then went up that area way. Because... The whites would kill them or make them slaves again if they went. They weren't very nice to them in the central part of Texas. In my name, for example, I'm named after Hudspeth County. My daddy's daddy was a slave. And so we took on the name of the county. And it's Hudspeth. Well, so he was... They were, he was freed really close to this time period of when all slaves were freed. And then, so that's how he got freed. And they went up to this city called Pilot Point. And they were kind of, they, they were, they weren't so mean to slaves during that time. Uh, They, there was a, there was a, uh, a county or a city here, they called it, um, uh, it was named after a church group. Oh, God, I can't think of the name of it. And, and then, so they they have Quaker, Quaker Town. Quaker, that's what it was. That was in the article. They, that story about Quaker Town was amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, the Quakers helped the, the blacks. And so they told him to come around the eastern part of Denton County and then come on up to Pilot Point and we'll help you. So Zach moved back down here to Denton from Pilot Point and he got a job. And I said they like him because he worked hard, took care of his family. None of them were in prison. None of, all of them finished school, high school, and some of them went to college. 
And so they loved him. Who do you, who have you heard of that's ever caused a county government building to close in honor of the, the, the key of the, of an individual? Close. And I thought, why don't you all have something up honoring him? And like I said, they were embarrassed, so they decided they would do do something. Now they're just now doing it. That's um, I it, it's man. Oh, there's a lot there. My mind's racing a little bit. I um, I I hear those kind of stories, and I go back to an individual with the weapon, or these people who are talking at you, not talking with you, and. I'm like, what's your argument? How do you argue to keep up statues that represent this kind of oppression? And I'm wondering, like, did anybody ever say something that you were like, oh, that's a decent point, or okay, I can kind of understand what you're saying? Or was it all yes. just, oh, yeah? Yes, they did. They did. They did. And I, I contemplated it. And I started looking at it to see if there was something there. Because here's the argument. They say it's history. It's history. We can't just go around destroying history. And it took me a while, and it took Jessica and some others to help me see. They said, if you don't tell the whole story about the history, then it's not history. And that's what they were doing. Well, it's history, but it's selected history. And they are selected from two standpoints. They, they decide to leave stuff out and they wanted to put stuff in and reconfigure it. Yeah. So they left out this, this thing about the, the, uh, the women, the Confederate women of America. Uh, and, and they left out that they got all the money to build that statue. And then they they changed the narrative of what it was all about. So, as in uh, what the statue represented, right? Then it's this. If you look at the statue, there are there are two, three emblems on that thing that I found this out by standing out there all those years talking. <laughs> <laughs> There is an there is a symbol that's an A uh, Confederate. There's a C Confederate S A all in one figure. The A's are the legs, and right at the top of the the A is an arrow symbolizing the South will rise again. It's a it's an arrow like what you shoot with a bow. The legs are there. The arrow top is like a bow. And then it says, then there's a C in the middle of it. And a, a Confederate States of America. Confederate States of America. CSA. 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 Yes. And I didn't know what that was. And then somebody came down and told me, look at what this is. And and then there's the, the then I didn't understand 
why they were fighting so much to keep the water a secret. And and, and somebody told me the water is a symbol of, of power and strength and it's very important. And I thought, mm. oh, I didn't know about that. And then in Denton, we were the only county that didn't let blacks, I mean non-whites, drink from either fountain. Everywhere else they had a white and a colored fountain, but not Denton County. You you couldn't drink from either one. It was a racist statue. I my mind when you had said if someone were to argue with me, we can't destroy history. You gotta tell the whole story. I would yes. I would immediately look at that statue and be like, well, we need to call that soldier sore loser. Because these were not erected during history. These were erected to kind of spite the, the defeat and spite the progress that the country was making. And as an intimidation reminder, I like I it's it's hard for me to understand something like that where now if there were a particular battle that was there and this particular soldier had a name and he had done something particularly heroic. Right. I, you said that. Okay, I could understand that. But if it's just a general our Confederate soldier, because we're fighting for our state's rights that we're coming together and saying that those are terrible rights that you're trying to uphold. <laughs> we, we, th th those rights gotta, are not the right rights to, to and, uphold. And you, you, you have to say, who is our? Yes. yes. Who is our? Yes. And that they never could answer that. And you know what they call that statue? Somebody wrote something about it. The Lost Cause. <laughs> that's such a it's good name. actually a book and a writing calling that the lost cause and somebody had to explain to me what they're talking about they said they fought and they they lost yeah so that cause is not something that you want to fight for and they get so angry when i bring that up that's and they give me the wave they give me the wave off <laughs> yeah right then they want to walk away like you said something stupid that's right yeah no that uh, the lost cause is such a good name and th that's yeah. where, again, I, I get, so I'm in Delaware and I live in Sussex County, which I do believe is the northernmost Southern County back in those times. Um, so we have, um, and I'm not super familiar with it, but back um, after George Floyd's death, um, Caesar Rodney is pretty famous in Delaware, rode, rode a horse, um, the, the school district are the riders. They wanted to take the statue of him down because of the slave impl or implementation, impl implications that went along with him, the slavery ties. And I've heard of like San Francisco school districts not wanting to be called like George Washington School or Jefferson School because they own slaves. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know if there's a right answer to that, but I don't, I, I think that's where the discussion should be. I don't think the discussion should be just for a blank generic statue that says our Confederate soldiers because the population, the, the taxpayers or the people who are working, those soldiers were not fighting for all of those people there. No. Yeah, I think that's a great point to focus on the hour because it was not ours. What else? How often did you look at that statue and just think like, man, can I sneak a file down here? And if I just shaved a little bit off every day? <laughs> Took the powder with me. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean, this is what, this is what, uh, the, if you Google 2005, Willie, well, I was angry, angry at everybody. I was called chaos. And then you Google 2000, like, 
15, because that's when the, the change started. Uh, some of my supposedly friends, I say supposedly because, yeah, man, you don't know who your friends are. But they said, Willie, I got to go to jail anyway. I'm going to jail. I got something that I've done and I'm getting ready to go. I'll bring a rope down here and put it on that thing and pull it down. They were serious. They were serious. And then there was others who said the same thing, exactly the same thing. They were going to jail and they were fed up with that thing and they pull it down. You know what I figured out finally in 2015? I'm Christian. And that don't mean that I'm super spiritual and that thing. I don't do that. But it means the things that Christ said we need to do, I finally start getting it. I get it. I see what he's talking about. So I started saying, I'm not going to do hatred for hatred. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, don't pull that thing down. If you want to help me, you come down here and stand with me. You know they never did. Uh, but I told them, and I stood there, and I talked to everybody that came up as though they had a point. And this this one time, this Confederate group came down. They were dressed in their Confederate garb, and they had the big old flags, Confederate flags. And they came down, and they, you, know, you know, when I set up and start doing this, I had a certain place to stand. It was right under the ark, not under it, but on one side or the other, and that's where I'd stand, mainly because I could get in the shade. And, uh, <laughs> Dude, I was so, wondering about that, Mr. Hudsmith. I'm like, some of those summer days in Texas? Oh, <laughs> man. And the really tough was when it was winter. Oh. It was cold. But uh, So I'd stand there. This Confederate group came, and they wanted to strong-arm their way into my position where I usually stand. 2015, Willie, I just backed up and said, hey, you want to stand there? There, go ahead. You stay there. I'll stand over here. Well, so then I went over and talked to them. I mean, I talked to anybody. They were in their garb and they had the flags. And so I asked them, sincerely, why do y'all walk with these flags? My stand, from my standpoint, it was evil. It was slavery. You shouldn't be. But they taught me something that day. And I, I just, I didn't change my opinion, but I kind of understood their opinion. And they invited me to come to their meetings. I'm going to come. But they never did give me the <laughs> time frame and when they were going to meet. And uh, so then I just, I just understand they just look at the flag as something that's honorable to them. It doesn't mean that I need to. That's the way they look at it. So I just learn stuff like that all the time. And there was one time when a, a young white group couple, not couple, kids, <clears throat> came down there. I guess the boy was about 10. 10 and the girl was 8. And they stood off a ways. This is me learning from being down there, just learning stuff. And they stood off a ways, so then I asked them, well, did you have something you want to ask, ask me? 
is there something you want to say? And they said, well, we were told that you're important and we need to just get your autograph. (laughs) I'll be there. (laughs) I I just, you never know. You just never know. And so it was very, very, I need to be very careful how I handle that situation because these young people are trying to figure it all out. So it was stuff like that all the time that I dealt with, all the time, every Sunday. And it became a, a ritual for people to, they know I was going to be there from four to five. Yeah, for first it was four to six. And it, that was too long. <laughs> so then it was four to five. And they just show up. They would come down there and show up. Four to six. It, it, it's so hard. The Confederate flag being almost like, to me, I see it as romanticized with this freedom that they want to hold on to the the people who support it, but it's so oppressive to everyone that it oppressed. (laughs) And it's, I I don't, I don't understand why that's a hard concept. Like why couldn't they Confederate flag supporters? Why couldn't they take their passion of freedom and embrace the American flag, which is trying to provide all people with freedom? It's uh, some of them helped me to understand it. It's like, what they do is they suppress and change the narrative of what that one part of that whole situation dealt with. They didn't want to deal with it. That was slavery. Sean, come on now. You think about it. You are oppressing someone. You are holding them down. You are beating them. You are taking away all their dignity. Dignity, And in the name of, it's the right thing to do. And boy, you just have to have, you know, you can't have a heart to just beat a person. That's why I don't know. I don't know how China gets away with what they do. Because they just beat, they just beat people. And they do. And then the other thing that, that I found out, you know, how they treated the women and some men, they just, they were just homosexual, these slave owners, and they raped men too. Most of it was women and all they treated them so bad. You know, and I found out something that what God does. <laughs> In the history, you could, you could check it out. The, the women, the, the, there was gonorrhea out, syphilis, syphilis more specifically. And the women, because they didn't get treated, developed an immunity to it. They developed an immunity to syphilis. The slave owners did not. So they raped the women. And here's how syphilis works. It eats away the organs from the inside of your body out. That's God. I'm telling you, that's God, buddy. He says, I'll show you, you're not going to treat people like that. And they they could justify it. They would beat them. They would take the kids and separate them and just... And the slave owners just did away with that in their minds. They just said, no, it didn't happen. 
Well, they're not human. Oh, that's right. That's the thing they did when I was in high school. Said you're subhuman. Yeah. And you got to come overcome that. Zach Rollins. And you treat people like you'd like to be treated instead of the way they treated you. That, that, I'm, I'm thinking about that. And if I'm, I'm a very visual person. So if I've experienced something in a certain area, I go back to that area and it's like, I'm there again. I almost get triggered. You know, it happens sometimes with music, but a lot of times with, um, my environment and I'm thinking of Zach Rollins and if like, was he after his freedom, what did he remain in places where he would have those kind of environmental reminders where he's seeing things that like while he was a slave he would walk down this road now he's walking down it as a free man kind of a thing it doesn't doesn't happen like that it's like you're 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 just numb you're you're so happy i I remember one account they they had for him he for the first time he had his own money his own it was his it was a small amount but it belonged to him, and he could spend it. Well, there was certain places he could spend it. He couldn't spend it in downtown, mm. uh, but he could go to places around where he could, they, where he was accepted. They took the money. They said, it's "Money, money. I don't care where it comes from." <laughs> Smart. That's so, business. So, That's how it should be. So, but that other part, you just don't look at it. TWU is a school here, college. And they shut down Quaker Town because they didn't want the white girls to have to pass by the black men uh, looking at them and giving them cat calls and stuff like that. Uh, and Zach Rollins and all the others had to go through it too. They gave them Quaker Town because it was rocky and hilly and it flooded and nobody wanted it. So they gave it to the blacks and so you just become numb to it. You just you, you just deal with it. Like, like we got secondhand books when I was going to school, and we get the books that they the, the other white schools didn't didn't use anymore. Well, we didn't know any different. We just got them, studied, did what we could do with with it, and uh, then we just we really worked hard to get things done. So that's how we do it. I do that now. I, I'm in a neighborhood, that, and I'm I'm pretty well off, uh, but I still. Uh, you know what white privilege is, don't you? Uh, yeah. I I still with white privilege. I still deal with it, and I just I just keep going. I just keep going. Uh, I coached at a middle school here. Finally got a job as a coach, middle school. They never would let me coach the high school. Mm-hmm. It was all white school just about. I got the job because the superintendent at the time liked me, and he just said, I'm going to get you a job. He got me the job. But the coach at the school, there are three divisions, three areas where you coach. This is middle school, so it's eighth and ninth grade. You you even in eighth and ninth grade, there are three division, there are three parts. You have an A team, which is the best guys you got. You have a B team, which is the ones that if the A team is get hurt, you want to move in. Mm-hmm. And then you have a C team, 
which they don't have any business out there at all. <laughs> they just gonna get in the way, or they gonna get hurt. <laughs> That's right. But the mamas down there, boy, they said my baby's gonna play yeah, white yeah. ones, and uh, no so they always gave me the CT. Always. Don't you know God just God doesn't like ugly, and He will help you. That was the best coaching time I've ever had. I did it for 16 years. It was the best. Those kids on that C team, the way they knew we were doing good is they look at my face <laughs> and they say, Coach think I'm great. Coach think we did. They, they never looked at the they never looked at the points. <laughs> me, me either, because I did I wouldn't look at the points. I don't care about the points. Yeah. And we had the best time. And so that's what you do when you're just oppressed. You just find something to keep you going. Mary Horn, God, bless you do that. Yeah, that that's where again I'm I'm trying to get a better understanding. To me, I'd like I, I'd want to leave. I'm gonna be like I would associate the oppression with that particular spot, town, area, and I would just want to get away. I wouldn't want those reminders. Well, there's certain there's other stuff that goes on. I got to go to the University of North Texas. Racist it could, it could be, but boy, there were some teachers there. This English teacher, and I was horrible in English. She said to me in a loving way. She said, "If you stay after school, I'll help you with what you need to do." And I remember her, and so I did. I kept coming after school because I had a hard time with English. And then there was a math teacher, algebra. I had a real hard time with algebra. He helped me. And then I had a good job. And then there were people around me, my church and stuff like that, that, that I just looked to that and I quit looking at the fact that every time I went to, to the court, I'd get the short end of the stick. Mm. Uh, I would, uh, when I go to buy stuff, they would gouge me with it, or they wouldn't let me go to a certain restaurant. I just quit looking at it. I had to go in the back door to get what I what I wanted. Guess who works in the back door, in the back room? Blacks. Guess who, what kind of food they gave me? The best food in there. Guess what they did to the white people's food? They spit in it, and they put junk in it, and it's in the back room. But I got all the good food, so you just kind of, you you just, and, and I like being here. Mm. So I just didn't look at it like that. I didn't. We all lived in the same area here in Denton uh, for the longest time, and uh, we felt really safe. We didn't have to, we didn't lock our doors. We didn't do any of that. And we raise our kids. Now, them darn kids of mine, let me just tell you something, Sean. Maybe you can help me. <laughs> them suckers didn't grow up with none of this, what I'm telling you right now. My son is the mayor of Denton right now. He's the mayor. First black, the youngest mayor in Denton. He didn't grow up with any of this. I didn't treat I was like Zach Rollins. I tell him right. I say, hey, man, you just got to do do what's right. Do the best you can. Get yourself in that school. You know, my, your mother and I are not going to put up with you not making good grades. Grave. We don't do C. You do C, you get a beating. So <laughs> you ain't going to do no C. 
And them jokers didn't. They, boy, they did not. The girls or the guys. And we just loved them. We just loved what we were doing. We just, so, we just don't look at it like that. Even now, I don't look at it like that. Somebody asked me, what, now, how do you feel now that the statue's down? What do you, what do you think about it? I said, I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. I just, I don't think about it. And uh, so. After all those years going there every week, you just, it, it's down and it's like, you got to gloat. Do you, you still have to go out there, maybe put on some sunglasses, you light a cigar or something, <laughs> right? Like no, no victory tour? No, I'm telling you what I did. Here's what I found out. Martin Luther King had to do it. Gandhi did it. Mahatma Gandhi, yeah, he did it. Here's what happens when you get to points like that where you get it together and now you know what it was all about. I have a message. I have been blessed with a message. Someone's going to listen at what I have to say in certain situations and you need to deliver the message. Well, what's the message? Well, mine's several. Black men, quit beating up on your, your wives. Quit cheating on them. Get a job and hold a job. Quit stealing and killing of our own race. And, and I noticed my message, sex traffickers, stop being a part of that. And they listen to me. That's my message. I'm not doing the other. So it's down. I'm glad. Boy, I'm glad. And I just kind of walk down. At this, you know, they still meet in the same building that I'm talking about now. And I just kind of look and think, and I smile. And think, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Did you, so what was the council person's name? Something Horn, right? Mary Horn. Mary Horn. What did, like did was there any sort of interaction? See, I'm petty, and you're such a better person than me. Cause there, like, I would have sent her a card with like a gift certificate <laughs> and been like, "Thank you so much." And it would have been to the restaurant that's like right across the street. And I'd have asked the maitre d to make sure her seat was like outside with the view of where the statue was. And I'd have bought her the best lunch, and I'd have been like, "Thank you for all your support, man." Like I—that's how I would have responded. And I'm curious, like you don't have that. It doesn't seem like you got that hatred in your heart, like me. No, didn't find it. 2015 is when it started. I just get it. Hatred for hatred will will spawn hatred. Yeah, it just doesn't do you any good. It just doesn't. And so. One time in a meeting, now I'm Christian, now, she had lied about uh, the water wasn't on, and she, this is the time when she was, uh, she she talked really bad to those two elderly people I brought up there, yeah. and just made them really nervous, and I said to her, and there was another council member, or chain, uh, commissioner, and I meant it. And they knew I meant it. I said, I would never pray for you. Mm. I would never pay, pray for you. I would not talk to my God for you. And you know, God doesn't work like that. Yeah. He doesn't work like that. That's he just true. doesn't. He yeah. doesn't do that. Take you know, on. he didn't live like that. He just, that's just not how he, how he runs, how he does things. And so 
the very next week, <laughs> I had to go in there and say, I'm sorry for saying that. I shouldn't have said Oh, my that. gosh. You are such a good <laughs> You are such a good man. <laughs> Golly, dang. Boy, I've been on a road, a long road. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about um, the change. When did the change happen to go from turn the fountains on to take the statue down? It, it wasn't. It was always turn the water on. Okay. Always. I always said turn the water on. Then I coupled that with take the statue down. And always, they were always intertwined. Then it was Zach Rollins. I added, I added that it was always in there. Um, uh, then, then uh, there was some some others like that that I added in. Oh, you you have money to fix the this the uh, cemetery? Fix it. Uh, what you, was the cemetery? Is is it looking just like like an unkept field with some like headstones or, or the broken down walls? Help me to picture. The cemetery. Okay. It's a uh, first place they let them put the slaves there because it was so rocky. You couldn't, you couldn't bury people very good. So they were kind of on the top surface. And there were so many kids who died. They had an area for the kids. And there was about 50 of them in this one area. Then they had the adults. And they were in another year. It was about 400 people total. And it was, it was overgrown. It was, then they had sandstones for their head, headstones. So when I went up there and started working, you couldn't tell where the, the headstones were as opposed to the sandstones. But someone helped me figure it out. The graves, the heads, when they put them in the ground, their heads were facing west. West. Then their feet were east. And then they put them in a, in a row. So you had to go to the north and look down the row. Then you can find out where the headstones were. And then, but then the sandstones were all mixed in there. And, uh, that was some of the the most somber somber times, and 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 I just go out there for hours, and I just sit, and I'm thinking, a lot of these people never get ever never were free like I am right now, hmm. not, and and the people who helped me were all white. There were no blacks with me, just me and all the white people who just wanted to do something. It's still there. I'm going to go back and start trying to, to work on it. I have not been there for a while. but So it was sent, and it was trees all over the place because no one cleared them out. Mm-hmm. And those bodies just, just grew them. Right. So they were, that's what we went through. Man. Then I had to be very careful when I was digging out there. In fact, I didn't dig much. I just raped Cause I, I didn't know what I was gonna earn earth on, and the bodies were decaying, and they would create these these sinkholes oh. where the bodies decayed and went went into 
through nothingness, and then they were just holding big. They weren't big holes. They were just yeah. holes all over the place. God, that's um that that number that you had said four hundred. That's a that's a much larger number than I had pictured. Yeah, yeah. Well, they didn't know, and they they had to put them somewhere. And they were moving it such moving up to that PowerPoint area in such such numbers. And this wasn't the only one. There was about two others that they they had sites, but then they put a big lake in, Ray Roberts Lake. Then lied and said they moved all the bodies and bodies under that water. How do you uh, how do you know that? Just the people talking. They said, no, they didn't get them all out. They, they were supposed to, but they didn't. God. So the inhabitants there would talk about it. Now, if you you did, if you could prove it, then they would, uh, they'd have to pay for that, the county. They'd have to fix that. Uh, they did move some, but they didn't move them all. You are, the drive um is is amazing to me the energy especially at your age no disrespect to your age but at the age like you got like nick saban level energy mr Huntsman. you know yeah i do it's um, i do it's awesome and and here's the thing sean it really just oh man i don't know how i did but uh i remember those times out there where i was by myself just nobody with me. Nobody. Not my supporters. Heck, I didn't even know who my supporters were. The, my race, they certainly weren't out there. They kept saying, you need to just leave that alone. Just get away from that. Let, we want to forget that. And I'm sitting out there in that cold. The heat didn't bother me as much. It was the cold. And I just sit there. Nobody's with me. And then the, the waiver offers would come by and, and they would just yell stuff at me. And those were the loneliest times in my life doing that. And I, and I just, I said, I, I'm not going to, I kept remembering what Mary Horn said. He's one black man. Nobody's going to listen to him. Just ignore him. And I, it just made me angry. I said, okay, I'll show you. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. And I just kept saying that to myself. Is there something else about the um, the statue experience that we haven't gotten into that you wanted to talk about a little bit or shed some light on? Yes. Whenever I got to a point where I wanted to give up, something would happen oh. to encourage me. I love that. I love that. Something. Every time I got to the lowest end, something would happen. And I, I remember once, um, uh, I, I was, I was, it was cold. And then, so I was down there just talking to people as they came by. And this, uh, this, this 
woman. Uh, she, she said, she said, I think what you're doing is great. Keep it up. I think what you're doing is great. Keep it up. And I really needed to hear that. I just needed to hear it. And then other times, I really wanted to come. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, but I sure do admire you for doing it. And you keep going. It's times like that. Then, then when Jessica came, she put those two books together, and it, 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 it's a, it's a test. Those are testaments of what they said to me. That's on record, and what is actually true, mm -hmm. and the penalty for what they did. So I took it to the district attorney. They all they all in cahoots together, so he didn't want to do anything. He found a way to get out of it. It was uh, the statute of limitations passed, and it did. Wow. It did pass, and uh, so they couldn't do anything about it. But she put that thing together. I've got it here, and mm. now it just it just vindicates everything that I've done, and it's in it's on record that what I said was true, and. Uh, when when they when they when they said the water was on the, 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 when they were coming down to where they saw that the, the water was there and one of my my starches enemies of that endeavor he came down. <laughs> both, both of them said nothing. Oh, no, 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 no. They said, oh, it was on. <laughs> it was on. That's all they said. Do you know? At the next commissioner's court meeting, they said not one thing about it. That not. So then, wait, Not one. did the fountains actually get turned on, or did the statue just get removed and they never turned the fountains on? They didn't turn them on. They're, <laughs> un they're under the ground, yeah. and there is a. Hey, we found out there are some. What do you call it when you bury something to to unearth later and 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 see what. Mm happened during that time period. Oh, like excavate? No, you you put it under the ground. Oh, like a time capsule. Yes, there is a time capsule. Oh, no way. <laughs> they left it there. They didn't bring it up. They left it there. <laughs> they just saw it as evidence, huh? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. They don't... They don't bring that up. So... That's what I want people to uh, remember with me. You just, you can't let people get you down. And don't do evil for evil. Come on. Yeah. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I got to get that out of my spirit. <laughs> I'm curious. I don't think I asked originally, what made Jessica become a part of this movement? It's like several people who, 
But I was telling you that saw something and they wanted to to uh, do it, do something about it. She came in from the north somewhere, and she was one of those that uh, she just wanted to do something. But she's really, really smart and very good with this uh, with the history. Yeah, the research. And she had time. She had. She was working for herself. And she sold antiques. And she would spend hours researching this stuff. She just did it. I don't know why. Just wanted to help. She's still doing it now. For she found out she found out that the county owes those slaves a lot of money. A lot of money for what they did. They, they make something happen that all the slaves overnight moved out of Pilot Point. We think the Klan came in scared. And so they took their land, the cemetery, because they had a church on there. They had uh, some other stuff. They, they, they took it. Jessica found out that they took the land illegally. And we're just wanting to find a relative so we can help them get all that money. And that's separate than the Quaker Town relocation, Pilot yes. Point? Right. Holy. It's God. where the, the grave site was, and they had built communities there oh. on the grave site. Okay. Did, do you ever get any sort of neo-Nazi clan clapback with your protests? No. Not, no. It... Um, just the wave off. That's what all they do. They do after a while. They saw that they they weren't going to get rid of me that way, and I just quite frankly didn't care if I had to die because of the cause. This is life, and so I didn't think about that. But no, never got anything uh, really significant to, to deal with that. And Mr. Osmond, I'm curious. I thought in one of the pictures I had seen. Um, uh, is it a Vietnam veteran hat that you were wearing? Yes, yes. So then you served in the military as well? Yes, and that was a significant part of my changing and figuring out things for myself, that Vietnam War thing. I joined the Air Force because my brothers told me to join because they were they were going to recruit me. They were going to draft me. And they said, man, they're only going to use you for fodder. they they just going to use you. You're going to just get killed. A lot of my classmates did. So, but when I went in, I came from a segregated community, Fort Worth Northside. So I'd never been around whites, ever. I lived with blacks. We, we congregated with each other. We didn't leave the area. And then I went to Vietnam. Sean, those bullets didn't care who you were. <laughs> them jokers would kill you. And they were wondering, why are you over here, America? Why are you over here? What the heck, I wondered, why are we over here? What the heck am I doing? They've never done anything to me. None of them called me the N-word. None of them. Why am I here? And boy, those bullets started coming. God showed me this. He said, hey, you know, those bullets don't get nothing about you. Here's, here's what it sounds like when a bullet misses you. 
Here's what it sounds like when it hits you. <laughs> Buddy, you had to have somebody to watch your back. You can't watch your front and your back. And I learned for the first time, skin color doesn't have a darn thing to do with nothing. You better find out who your brothers are. And you better hold them close because they got your back and you got theirs. And so I learned that lesson. Brothers are brothers. And you just have to just realize that it has nothing to do with skin color. Then I came back home. And this was the worst time I ever had before I left. The whites, and, and they treated me worse. Loser. You didn't win the war. What's wrong with you? Why'd you even come back? Wow. Man. Mm. Well, I've gone through some stuff. Are you still close with anyone you served with? No. I was for a while, but now, no. No, I'm not. You know, that was in 1965. And, uh... Then I didn't know anybody but just those guys in my unit. No, I'm not not close to any of them. I'm really interested. I, I served in the National Guard, um, <clears throat> but I, I didn't come from a segregated place. I'd grow up <laughs> with a bunch of different races in my life. Um, so going to basic training was a lot like just every day to me. The biggest thing was getting used to people from places I wasn't used to. It wasn't so much the race. It was more like, like you're from Montana, what the hell do you do out there? Kind of a thing, right? You know, like, yo, you're from New York City, like that doesn't make sense for me in slower, lower Delaware. You know, we're very rural, um, but not like Montana rural where you're self-sustaining. You know, we're not like that. But I'm curious, you going coming from a um, segregated background and being around whites. I'm sure that had to happen for some of the whites that you got enlisted with, where like you may have been some of the first colored people they'd hung out with, got to know. That's right, yeah. And I'm just curious and about those conversations or those experiences. We stayed segregated. We hung with our people, and we still didn't get to know the other races. None of them. We would just hang with our people, stayed with our... We were enslaved still then. Then we got deployed. That's what changed everything. People started dying. And uh, the uh, Vietnam, Viet Cong, would dig these trenches. Us dumb Americans were still fighting like we were in the, in the, in the wild, wild west. Walking in these trails, going through these different places. That's where we got this Agent Orange stuff. But we'd be walking in lines. <laughs> Them jokers would pop out of these holes. They dug holes in there. We were in their country, so they knew stuff. Mm -hmm. So they dig. We they dug all these trenches in the in the jungle, and so they jump. They pop out of the holes, shoot and kill us, and then pop in the hole. And we're so dumb. We thought, well, we'll just blow up this hole they went down. What the come on? You think there's only hole they been made? You don't think they made another way to get out of there? <laughs> so we blow up that hole they pop out another hole and shoot us and kill us and they go in another hole and pop out of that and shoot us and kill us and Joe go back and we just that's why we lost that done in war we didn't know how to fight it mm. so uh, no but that V oh 
basic training was tough. You know, they make you get naked and stand at parade rest. That means your legs are apart, your arms behind you, and you you stand erect, naked. You know, with all these white guys and chief whiz, that was hard. Then we had fights and stuff, and uh, but all that stopped when they sent us overseas. What, what is the point of yeah, being naked at parade rest? Like, what are they inspecting on you? They are, they're making you submit to the authority. And what they would keep saying, they say, they yell at you. They said, get, you being in the barracks, and they yell out, get an attention, or get in a, get in a, mess hall or something line up yelling yelling at it and, and then the way they get you to do that because when you go overseas all they want to do is say uh forward charge and you go you don't think you don't question you know you just go charge and you go well to get you to that point they make you stand naked hmm. and you just keep doing that keep doing that and you get yelling oh and they, they pick out big mean fellow people and I was one of those <laughs> they made me a, a sergeant I just say hey not a sergeant but a platoon platoon leader can you you think it took me to the office can you think you can get them to line up and boy we were scared we were in there we didn't know what to do so Whoever yelled at you, you got up on you did what they said. So I was big and bad and mean. I didn't like anybody. So I said, line up. Boy, they would scurry to line up when they were trying to get you to be and went overseas. Then during captains would be crying and wetting themselves. But us hood guys, man, we just we another day in the hood. <laughs> so that's what it was to just get you to a point where you would do what you were told on a moment's notice. So when you're getting shot and killed, you can't just stand back and cry about somebody dying. You got to get to cover and try to do something to save yourself. Right. So, yeah, he who hesitates is lost. Oh, man. And I mean, that death, the war is hell. There is no honor in war. I'm sorry. It's just no good. I was so glad to get back home. I didn't know what to do. How how long did you serve over there for? How long was your tour? My brothers told me to join the Air Force, and I see why they said it. I didn't have to stay long. I was Air Force. You you don't take you don't put your your aircraft in harm's way. You fly over, drop bombs, and then you go back to the safe place. Bangkok is where I was. So I stayed six months in places. I was assigned to the air aircraft for six months. Then I'd go back to my base where they housed all the aircraft. Okay. Then they'd go for six-month tours, and then they would be in a place where they could be safe and fly out into 
and drop bombs and then come back. And I was in charge of the air refueling aircraft. So I would be in charge of those that would refuel the great big B-52 bombers because they, they were too heavy and they were too big to get from the safe zone over to where they were dropping the bombs. So we had to fly in midair and refuel them and then let them go and drop the bombs and come back. They had to refuel them so they could make it back to the safe zone. What was what was the trick in connecting the hose? I've always wondered this. They're actually flying. They're flying the hose. It's flying. No, yeah, right. You're in there. That's what I'm like. I mean, some people can't even take the gas. They can't even take the hose when they're filling up their car and not like spill gas everywhere. <laughs> and now I'm thinking like you well, got two planes in the air. Like the uh, the precision, there has to be some sort of tricks to yeah, get they, to get they, them connected. They practice and practice and practice, and then they learn you're going to spill the gas. So they got these jetways so that the gas would go in it and fly out, it wouldn't damage anything. But then the B fifty two had to fly at a certain altitude and the position it stayed there the not to be yeah the b-52 did that the kc-135 then would fly the b-52 had, had b-52 had to hold its position couldn't be flopping around up there it had to just and so the the pilots just went to this ordinance coordinates coordinates and they just stayed there now let me just give you, let, let you know what else happened. And during uh, Vietnamese would would not just let you have a, a free pass to to uh, do all your refuting. They'd be shooting at you. <laughs> they would be shooting at us. And uh, it's not like in the movies. Move over to here. Go to this. Get your ass out of here. We got the damn shoot. Let's get out goddamn it. <laughs> <laughs> what, were, what were they shooting? Like just rifles at you, or did they have some heavier weaponry? Oh, they had heavy rep weaponry. Oh. But then we had fighters with us. Okay. And we knew how to fly better, so we go kill them or drive them away. Gotcha. But like I said, it hold it ordinance coordinates. And then the B fifty the the, the KC one thirty five see they see the great big old thing there. So they knew how to go and position themselves right above it. Then they let the boom down and they fly the boom into that trough. Mm -hmm. KC-135 had to hold their position and then they push this button and the boom extended. And then it's, it's such that when you push it out, then it hooks up with rubber connections and then it connects. Then they let the fuel out. Is it a it magnet? Is, like what seals it or does it not seal? It does. It, it When they fly it out, they, it pushes it out. And there's a rubber coupling that if they can force, if the B-52 holds its position, then the KC-135 can actually fly above them. And then it just, it, it hits into this trough then they can push it and it goes through the rubber 
then uh, connects. Right okay. There. Gosh, yeah, I see what that, you're saying. And then it cut, and it's really tight. Yeah. So the beef, but the key is the beef is two has to hold its position. But sometimes they didn't do too well. <laughs> So they rammed that darn thing all the way into that KC-135. <laughs> they don't talk about those times. Yeah. And was there just some sort of like release button that allows you to get the fuel, the hose back? Yes. What If the Beaver 2 is holding this position, then the, the KC-135 pilot would then pull his back and then they would accelerate. Okay. So it was it was disconnect, and then then they had a way that when it disconnected, they would lock it, close off the boom. They'd spill fuel out all over the place, but it wasn't very much. It would lock right. off whenever it pulled out. They had made it such that it it would not let fuel go out anymore. Gotcha. Boy, you you I I rode back there with the boom operator. Those K those B B-52s are huge. They are big. Imagine laying back there with that, that operator and you see this huge thing flying underneath you. <laughs> I mean, it is huge. Huge. Because they were dropping some bombs on those those people like you wouldn't believe. It, it was awful. It would kill a lot of people. Mm. How often do you uh, reflect and think upon the war? Now, now not so much as negative. Okay. It's, it's positive now. Got to meet some good people. Uh, became Christian over there. Uh, and I kind of understand how war works. And those, all those old guys in the, in the States making decisions for the young guys to go over there and die. And uh, the, the fact that I survived it, I survived it. And, it, and boy, the odds were against me, really against me. But I survived it. So that's how I think about it now. Yeah, that, um, I, I, I don't know. It, making the decision to send people into harm's way. My, being, you know, I'm 40 this summer, I'm a bit younger than you. So I'm looking at 9-11 as the big battle Iraqi freedom, the big battles that we've been through and um, the losses and the coverage, um, the, the losses, it, 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 it was still devastating, still terrible when soldiers are dying to protect the rights of America. But Vietnam, yeah. um, it's again, Vietnam is just a hard thing for someone who didn't live through it from what I hear to like really understand the impact. Like when you're talking about coming back to people being upset that you lost the war, like you're like, dude, do you know what I went through trying to win this thing? Like, I, I didn't make that decision. They never asked me and said, hey, no. Willie, what do you think we should do today to win? Like, I'm sure that yeah. never happened. And for you never. to get that kind of hatred um, because you were following orders, man, like that's that, that that's next level. It's amazing that we still got people to enlist in the military with people yeah. you because it would be your children. And why would you encourage your child to enlist in the military if that's how you were treated coming back? I won't. Right? I won't. I won't. Didn't. Will not. Did you encourage him to run for mayor? No, that gummit. He <laughs> would. I would take my kids with me when I was on the school board. Because uh... my wife was going to school, and she couldn't take care of them. So 
I took care of them. So I took them to school board meetings with me. When I was running, when I got on, after I got on, then I started running for the city council, and I'd take them with me. I took them everywhere. So they, they, that's how they know. That's how, that's how they know. So he uh, he he just he just grew up with it, and mm-hmm. he is a good mayor. I don't just say that because he's my son. He's good from this standpoint. Like me, he will listen to what you say. And if you disagree with him, he'll find you and say, help me understand why you think the way you're thinking. What's going on? What do you, what do you, and then, then he'll tell them right after that. This is the same thing I did. Uh, well, I don't agree with it. I, it's just not the way I'm going to vote. Here's the way I'm going to vote. Hmm. Isn't that what you want from someone who's in political? Just tell you straight, listen to you, really listen to you. Yeah. If you change your mind and you support him, you tell him. If you don't, you tell it. And that's that's what he does. And boy, I tell you, I'm proud of it. I, I love we, those words. Uh, so I'm a teacher and the principal uh, I work for, beginning of the year gives basically the same speech. It says, when you contact parents... You don't start just talking, talking at them, talking at them. You start the conversation with, can I get your help? And what parent is going to be like, no, you can't get my help. Everybody wants to help their kid. So right away, you're almost putting them in a position of power and control, and you're empowering them to also solve the problem. So I love the fact that your son, much like you and much like I try to be, when you don't get something, using those words of, help me understand. It just de-escalates right away because there is no right and wrong. It's, I'm going to shut up. You get to talk. Help me understand. I I love that. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Me too. How, um, what made you run for school board? (laughs) Oh, jeepers. My name, my middle name is Chaos. I'm just, (laughs) I just create chaos. No matter where I go, I just, ah! I just do. So I was arguing about something with somebody about the school board. And somehow we got to taxes. I said, why do they spend all my money doing this? I don't want them to spend my money there. Well, ain't nothing you can do about it. It's what they said. (laughs) So I didn't think I'd ever win. Because in the the school board elections, probably most of them, the whole city votes for each member, right? And as a black man in a in a Denton, like a place like Denton, you're not gonna get a lot of people to vote for you. First, you have to be known. You gotta have money. I didn't have either. But I ran. I ran three times before I could get a, get on. Three times, because you run. For whatever office is open next, you just keep running. So I figured out that the paper would print what I said when I was running. So I ran to get said, get some things said that I wanted to say. I'd run just to talk. Get your name. Never thought I could. Never thought I could. I would get a record. But one day, my chaotic self. I thought, they're wasting my money. They're tearing down this building 
which is a school and building this administration building. That's not right. Hmm. And so I stood out there when they were de destroying the building. I had to get made this great big old sign, four by, four by eight sign. And I said, your, your, on the sign it said, your tax dollars at waste. <laughs> and I didn't tell them to honk, but they would honk their horn when it went by. Bump, 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 bump. And I didn't know. I just waved back. But I never thought again that I would get elected. Well, they were treating the teachers bad that one year. Here's what I want you to know, sir. Don't you start treat, teaching the teachers, treating the teachers bad. Them jokers vote and they get organized and they are why you even hear mm. those teachers got behind me because they didn't give me any money. And when I brought up the fact, I did a lot of things, but this one is the one that got their attention the most. Uh, the kids, they built an administration building and the kids are in the hall. They didn't have a, enough room for them to go in a classroom. They were in the hall. Oh, wow. That did it. Teachers got upset. I beat an incumbent three to one. Oh my. Then I got in and I said, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what the heck do I do now? And so I started learning what to do. It's like it's like a dog chasing a ball. They don't even know what to do with it when they catch it. <laughs> Just like throw it again, throw it again. I'll go, I'll go chase it again, throw it again. And, and I was so crazy. I had this picture with some kids that I'd met doing either doing when I was running or when I run or something. And I said, you know, this is two things that I want to do. I'm going to vote every time. Kids first. Taxpayers next. Mm. If that darn thing we're voting on, that money doesn't deal with that one, the first thing, kids. And I just defined what I think the, the issue was with the kids. Right. And I wouldn't support it. And I'd say it. I didn't know anything to anybody. I didn't know I was going to get elected. So I was very popular. Yeah, I would I've, never run. I, I've never run for an office, but I've I've spoken to several people who have. And um, it's a pretty huge advantage that incumbents have. Right. The, just the name recognition, because they've already gotten enough votes to get the spot. So you figure you're going to keep right. most of those. And then some people are just going to vote for the name they know. So you're getting those extras. So wow, three to one. They must have either loved you or hated that person. Oh, they hated that school board. <laughs> they hated because the school board was very arrogant. They thought, oh, well, I can't do anything anyway. They wouldn't get born. They they were wrong. And uh, so, how long did you uh, serve for? Two terms. I would never run for school board again, ever. <laughs> What have you done for me lately? That's all they would say. What if, and then so I was thinking, well, let's make a decision that's going to be good for all the students, all the kids. I'm thinking, why don't we do that? My kid, me. I thought, wow. oh no, I'm not doing this again. I'm on. I'll just fight in the school board meetings. I'm not going through it. Shh, no, never again, never. How long are the uh, terms down in Texas? 
uh, three years. Oh no, school board unlimited. Well, before you have to run, you don't. It's not like a lifetime position, right? You have yeah, to, you have to run three years. Oh, every three years, got you. But you can be elected as many times within that three years as you want. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah, Delaware's five. So that's inter- That's it. It's always interesting the differences in um those local uh-huh. dynamics. Right. God, Mr. Hudspeth, you've lived a life, sir, and I'm glad you're still living. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, thank you so much for uh answering my call, for coming on, for sharing your story, letting people get to know you. I um, you're a great storyteller, man. Really, it was just enjoyable way to spend my evening, and um, I hope people uh can just enjoy and almost be empowered. It seems like you're to the point in your life now where much like that football coach where your player's looking at your face to be like, we're doing good. It seems like you're just like looking to inspire um, positive changes and positive decisions in people. I love it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, sir. Do you hear from your audience at all as to how things went? Um, Yeah. What do you mean with different episodes? Yeah, like – after mine, do you hear from them? Uh, some people leave comments. They can go like on uh, Apple or they can just message. So what I do is – actually, that's a good thing I didn't know. I saw you were on Facebook, but I'll post this on um, like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes people will um, strike up a little conversation or leave comments you know, about the people that they're getting to know. Mm-hmm. But what's been happening lately, which is nice, um, I just get like random messages you know, so not like a formal, um, whatever, five-star review on Apple, but right. somebody will send me a Facebook message of, oh my God, love this person or oh, this person you found there. What a great story. And, um, a lot of people start following each other on social media. So I have yeah. a guest on and now that other people have been a guest, like, I think you're the 113th. Yeah. You're the 113th person I've had on. Um, yeah. so yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a following where, if you connect with someone and then you're like, Oh, that's cool. I got to meet them. Gotcha. You know, okay. cause yeah, that's kind of always, that was kind of my, my point for this was to, uh, you know, it's social media. You get very, it's like the echo chamber thing where you just kind of get around people you always been around. Yeah. And I really enjoy expanding my perspectives and getting to know people that like, I like Facebook doesn't find people like that. Right. So like, it's cool right. to, reach out and like, we don't have any people in common, but I just happened across your um, article and it was like, man, let's, let's see. And that's what I love about it. And I think people are reacting pretty well to that. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Did you, did you even know you were trending on Twitter? Your article? No, no, <laughs> no. Cause I don't look at it. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It, it's amazing. It was the thing came out, and then some guy called me and said he was really happy that I did that, and it helped him and encouraged him. And then right after that, some guy said, gave me the wave off uh-huh. by saying, uh, "You shouldn't be here. You should go back to Africa. You're you're." And then called call me the N word. Yeah. And I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now I've um I've had a couple. Uh, so again, Delaware, Sussex County. Um, most northern the reason i know or i believe it's the most northern southern county is i had a a dsu a historical black college in delaware is delaware state university um to come on and he grew up in lewis which is the town that's here and uh just educated me to things like 
He was like, Sean, you ever know why there's two parking lots that are separate at Lewis Beach? And I was like, nah, I didn't even actually ever think about it. One of them's more of a pain in the butt to pull out. You know, like trees cover it. The other one's easier or bigger. He was like, yeah, guess which one was for the whites? And you start putting these things together and you're like, no wonder like all the homes in this little section, like that that was basically where people were forced to. And it it, it was very eye-opening to me, but his episode... um well, like well received. I didn't receive any sort of um, negative racist pushback on that at mm. all. Um, at least the circles I'm around, people enjoy understanding. People are looking to have people be people. And that's the point of the podcast is to get to know you, not, not get yeah. to know white people, black people, Asian, just get to know you. Yeah. And then I get to judge you based on how you present yourself. You know, would I hang out with yeah. you? Would I not? I don't know. Yeah. Let me listen to you for a little bit, see if we get along. Yeah, I agree. You know? All right. Well, it's been great. Awesome. Well, yeah, Mr. Hudspeth, and I'll uh, send you a little message when it's up. This way you can check it out and uh, share it out to anybody that you'd like to. Perfect. All right, All right. sir. Thank you for your time. Thank you. you bet. Right. Night. Take care. Big thanks to Mr. Hudspeth for coming on the Getting to Know You pod, being so fiery, always being willing to listen, um, and for fighting for what he believes in. It's awesome and inspiring to know that passion doesn't have to age. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search him up, Andre Psyche, that's P-S-Y-C-H-E, on social media. Give him a follow, just for the fuck of it. Thanks to Dewey Crush, the summer's most sought-out and coveted East Coast drink for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Bring a case of Dewey Crush, the delicious, refreshing, ready-to-drink canned cocktail with you for your next summer event to crush it. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Getting to Know You pod on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. Also, help us in our quest to upgrade our sound and software editing equipment by going to our Patreon to support the pod for as little as $2 a month. If you haven't already, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Word of the pod alert. The word of the pod is pipes. Pipes is the word of the pod. Post that word on any of our social media or tag the Getting to Know You pod when you use it on yours to get a shout out on our very next podcast. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We get to know a wide-ranging, diverse set of individuals across the globe and all of their friends, followers, and listeners of ours would like to get to know more about your brand or business. Want to advertise? Just message us. See you later, alligator.